0: Welcome to my podcast. My name is Jamin Gerker. I'm a realtor in South Central Alaska. And my mission is to help people build intentional and significant legacies for themselves and their families by coaching them in real estate. Purpose of this podcast is to provide you information about what's going on in Alaska and to really give you an idea for what it's like uh, from people who actually live here on what it's like living up here. And today I'm very lucky to have a colleague of mine, uh, Jenny Willard, in the, um, uh Keller Williams, and she specializes more in the commercial commercial sector and uh this is gonna be an interesting interview. I've never really done anything with commercial before, so I'm sure she's gonna educate a lot of us on uh, some some of the do's and the don'ts for those of you who want to jump into it so Jenny, thank you very much for joining us.
1: yeah, thanks. I'm excited to be here
0: yep, absolutely so first question here is what is it that you like about the kind of the commercial properties, you know, what is it that made you decide to go with commercial real estate versus, you know, selling the, um, you know, the American dream with residential houses?
1: Definitely. Um, great question. So I have always been, um, kind of more on the, the interested in business. Um, I have a finance degree, so I have that financial background as well. Um, and so I got started really in real estate by, um, buying my own investment properties um, and that's where I, I initially got my real estate license was to be able to to buy investment properties um, and then eventually i found that there were um, other people that wanted to do the same thing excuse me as i did and i'm sure um you know Jamin, i'm sure you help a lot of investors find their properties as well. So I was helping them. And then once I first got my first commercial deal and saw, um, just how different it was from say a single family investment house, um, I was hooked and I said, this is exactly, you know, right down my alley. Everything is about, um, whether the pro- property is profitable, it's all about making it work for a business. Um, so it, it really fits, fits me well.
0: So what would you say the, so you kind of mentioned the numbers there and being able to, to look the numbers and operate it more like a business. What are some other big differences between residential and commercial?
1: Yeah. So one thing that makes commercial really interesting actually is just that there's so many different property types. So you have, um, office, you've got retail, um, medical space, industrial, um, special use, uh, storage units, you know, there's so many different types of properties and they all are kind of these submarkets that are moving differently. So for example, um, here locally right now, um, Retail and industrial is just a super, super tight market right now. Whereas office, we're seeing a lot more um vacancy. And so there's just they're so different. There's so much to know about each different property type and who the users are and how they're gonna use that property. Um, and then negotiating on those different, those different types is all different. So, um, it, it's always something new. Um, and you're always kind of chasing around trying to put the right user to the right owner. So it's so fun. I really enjoy it, but, um, but yeah, so, so I love the investment part. I love the, um, just the variety of the day-to-day, um, um, of, of commercial real estate. It, it's, um, just very different.
0: Outstanding. Now, I know a lot of people in the wake of COVID were predicting all the commercial market is going to collapse in Alaska, there's not going to be anything left. And that's obviously not the case. Um, But but, uh, aside from that, what is the state of the commercial market here in Alaska? And I mean, I understand there's going to be different sections of it. But if you can give kind of a bird's eye view to kind of answer that question.
1: Sure, yeah. Well, that's a great question. So when COVID first came along, obviously um office space really suffered. Retail really suffered. Um we we were kind of hanging on to see what was going to happen with retail. Are people gonna go back to shopping and going to the restaurants and everything that they used to be doing? Um luckily that did eventually have a recovery. Matsu Valley um probably recovered faster than Anchorage because they were able to open up sooner. Um, As far as office space goes, that was one thing where globally we've been really concerned about, but um, kind of how it's played out is initially we thought, oh my gosh, everyone's going to just transition to working from home. They're never going to come back to the office now that they have all this flexibility. Um, But as it kind of progressed, we found that Uh, employees and um, people in an organization just really thrive with um, interaction with each other and they didn't actually like being on zoom all the time or in their basement working all the time they actually really collaborated much better if they were in the office at least part of the time so we saw kind of this hybrid um, work situation come out to be very um, common And so what happened was instead of um, businesses completely abandoning their, their, the space they had leased in an office building, instead, maybe they negotiated to um, shrink their footprint a little bit, because maybe they didn't need to have everyone in the office every single day. Um, So that's kind of where the hybrid model of, of, um, work in the office space has changed. Um, so that being said, we, it, it has recovered and well not completely recovered, but it's done better than we thought it was going to, especially in Anchorage. Um, it seems like there's a lot more, uh, vacancy in Anchorage than maybe in the Matsu Valley. Um, but, uh, retail on the other hand has just been on fire and we haven't, we've, we've had so little inventory, but so many, um, so much demand. So that's been a very, very tight market. The other thing that's been really tight is industrial, kind of like I mentioned before. So, uh, for example, warehouse space has been really hard to find. One of the reasons for that is we had this massive supply chain problem right so we had um retailers and contractors and all these people uh trying to get things shipped up here and then finally when it did come they ended up with this surplus of goods so they needed a place to put it uh so that kind of that kind of added to to um the that squeeze in the uh, warehouse um the warehouse uh, sector as well. Um, the other thing is um, as as we've had more demand in warehouse, because our construction prices are so high right now, um, we're just not seeing new warehouses. So um, once, so a lot of times they don't even hit the market and they're already retraded or um, released. So it's really, really tough to find warehouse Matsu Valley or Anchorage, um, so really only the um, owner user. It would make sense to build a new industrial uh, building right now. It doesn't pencil out very well for investors. So if you are a tenant looking for a warehouse space, you're in a really tough spot.
0: That that does make quite a bit of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, now, is there? Now you kind of mentioned just um, um a few differences between Anchorage and the Matsu Valley. Um, what are some, do you have any more differences, distinctions that you have between commercial real estate market and Anchorage versus the Matsu Valley? Yeah.
1: So um one thing that happened during the pandemic, kind of what I mentioned before, is um the Matsu Valley was open for business. Um most of the time, whereas Anchorage was more shut down for, for a longer period of time. Um, that is, that can be devastating for business owners. Um, so some people saw that and said, well, I'm done with Anchorage. I'm moving out to the Valley. There's a lot of demand in the Valley. We'll see if we can make it work there. Or, um, maybe a business from Anchorage wanted to expand. And so they saw that the valley was open. So they went ahead and um, opened another space in the valley. Um, So that's been happening. The other thing on kind of a global um, or national really um, from that perspective is that uh, since the pandemic, we've seen so much capital flying around um, there's a lot of capital out there and there, and so when interest rates were super low and people had money, um, there was kind of this light to, uh, secondary and tertiary markets as far as like investors go. Okay. So Anchorage is a secondary market. Um, Palmer Wasilla in the Matsu Valley, that's a tertiary market. And the reason was because people were able to now choose where they worked. Um, So that's why it was kind of attractive for investors to move out of the big cities, move their capital into where they see more um, potential growth. So um, we did actually see some, um, some more institutional investors come into Anchorage and pick up properties. Um, So it made it more difficult for local investors to come in. However, once the interest rates went up, that kind of scared off the institutional investors. And now kind of the more local people are able to get their hands on properties a little easier. Um, I do see... The Matsu Valley continuing. I, I mean I'm probably biased. I, I am home-based in, in the valley. So um, but I see a lot of potential in the valley because a lot of people, as you know, Jamin, are moving to the valley. They're finding that the, the lifestyle is more what they what they desire, not for everyone, but for a lot of people. Um And so as far as like retail, I think that we're going to continue to grow quite a bit. I know we have some really good uh, retail developments um, in the pipeline. I know that um, the the borough and the cities and those uh, local entities are really motivated to um, have to have these projects happen and to work together to have those projects happen, to really grow our economy here. Because really the MatSU Valley has been um, a really strong point in Alaska's economy for quite some time. And it looks as if it's going to continue to be that. Um, the other thing is that once we start to get more uh, larger businesses and more um, professional businesses to the Matsu Valley I think that will make it so that fewer people have to commute to Anchorage um, and which is really desirable for for people who live out here but for more professional jobs a lot of them are in the are in Anchorage so until they move out here those commuters will have to keep going to Anchorage.
0: Yeah, I mean as soon as we get to that point at critical mass though where you start having more professional jobs moving into the Matsu Valley then that you're going to see a, a I suspect a big a big shift. Right. And even more so happening between Anchorage and Matsu because
1: right.
0: Yeah, usually the Matsu is going to be a lot more business friendly. And I mean, the COVID definitely just demonstrated that in a big loud way for those who were paying attention. But yes. um, let's, let's go and move on here a little bit though. Um, let's pretend like I am brand new investor, never done this before. You kind of mentioned a lot of those big institutional investors are starting to pull out. So the little guy is, is um, able to, to start jumping in and playing a little bit more. Um, how would I go about getting started?
1: So would this be for um, an investor to lease space out to other tenants or a business owner wanting to buy a space for themselves as an owner user?
0: Let's, let's say as someone wanting to buy and then lease it out to somebody else.
1: Okay. Okay. So for an investor, um, the first thing to know is that the way that it's financed is very different from a residential property. Um, So it's going to require at least 25% down. Um, Sometimes for some loan products, it's at least 30% down. The other part to keep in mind is that um, the lender is going to value that property based on the income that it's proving to, um, to bring in. So so um, even if you get um, an appraisal and it's showing that it's worth a certain amount, if the lender is not underwriting it that high, then they're going, to, they're going to lend 70% of the value that they are giving it based on their underwriting, if that makes sense. So they'll use things like cap rates. Um, they'll, they'll look at T 12s, which is the trailing 12 months, um, P they're going to look at the trailing three is so the T three. Um, they're going to look at three years of tax returns for that property. So there's the, the due diligence is very in depth for commercial property and the way that it's, um, underwrite underwritten by the lender is also much more in depth as well. Um, there's some really great things about investing in um in uh commercial properties versus residential both have both have pros and cons so you know i i I think I would say that if you've never invested in any real estate before it probably would be a good idea to just get your feet wet with residential uh just because commercial is um it's kind of uh, more for the more sophisticated investor, not necessarily always, but um, there's a lot fewer, um, like commercial, uh, sorry, consumer protections in place than there are for residential. So maybe get your feet wet in residential, but when you do go ahead and move into commercial, a lot of investors will find if they have a property or sorry, a portfolio of, of um, residential properties, and they get their first commercial property, they see that there's a big difference. Um, and some of them really like it. So they find that the the, um, the tenants tend to really ca- take good care of the property because it's their business. And so they wanna make sure it um, has the right vibe for their customers and everything. Um, they, they'll find less competition than they will maybe for um, a single family investment property or a duplex or fourplex. Um, they also um, they can also structure the leases to be more hands-off. So maybe they'll do um, a single tenant triple net lease where that tenant is paying all of the um, the operating expenses. So they just don't really have to do very much management of that property. Um, so there's lots of things to consider there. Um, let's see, Did that answer your question, Jamin? Or let we go in more depth.
0: No, I, I think that that pretty much answers it. Um, okay. A, kind of a follow-up question with that though. Yeah, sure. Um, so you mentioned that it's, uh, it can be more risky with, uh, with going with the commercial property, but in some ways it's going to be easier. Can you, um yeah, maybe explain yeah. that a little bit more cuz I mean I yeah, know it's a great. um I know if I'm investing on the the residential side um you know I've got tenants that can destroy whatever property I have and I mean there are protections for that but um I don't know there seems to be a lot of volatility in the in the commercial space so you know yeah. I heard about covid I heard someone <laughs> said that was going to destroy everything yes, so yes. is the um is the commercial investing? Is that more risky than the residential side?
1: So I would say it depends a lot on the risk tolerance of the investor as well as the property type. Um, Here's why. Because commercial properties, I'm sure you've noticed, Jamin, um, they tend to have a longer vacancy. So the Landlord is going to need to be a landlord that can be okay with having it vacant for longer. Um, they, let's see. Um, okay. So uh, last my train of thought here, the other thing is, um, as far as the, the risk goes. So the federal government has put in a lot of, a lot of, um, consumer protections in place for a residential buyer. So if you are buying a single family duplex, triplex, or fourplex, you have those consumer protections, right? Um, Because they wanna make sure that the little guy is taken care of. They don't have to be an expert to to be able to buy their house and have it turn out okay, right? So once you get past four units or into a commercial property, um, at that point, there there's far fewer protections, right? So in a residential um, deal, you're going to have a seller's disclosure is required. Well, commercial, there is no disclosure required. You can ask for one, but it's not a requirement by law. Um, So there's a lot more due diligence. The onus is on you to make sure you're protecting yourself. Cause kind of what I mentioned before is in commercial, you're kind of expected to be a little bit more sophisticated. Um, So that's why it's really important that you have really great due diligence. You have a great broker on your side who knows what they're doing. Um, So if you, you, you just have to be more careful. Um, Okay. And then the other part of your question was remind me,
0: Yep. So it was, um, it was about risk and, um, yeah, if, um, yeah, I guess oh, kind and of my the, the commercial qu- might be better. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Okay. Um, so let's say a big pile of cash and, um, I mean, I'm, I'm ready to jump in here. Mm-hmm. You know, what, uh, what would be the advantage of jumping into commercial versus just throwing it all into residential and multifamilies?
1: Yeah. Okay. So multifamily is going to lease a lot faster. Um, commercial probably is going to, um, sit on the market a little longer. So you need to make sure you have some cushion for holding cost. Um, so that being said, I, and I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like commercial is the only way to invest or, or one way or the other, but, um, commercial properties can be a lot less headache for a landlord. However, the reason that uh, multifamily, so like apartment buildings, or even single-family duplexes, fourplexes, got so popular and were so ended up being such a crushed market during the pandemic is because it tends to be an asset that is recession-proof. The reason is because people need a place to live, right? Um, and we we still are in this massive shortage of. Of housing, right nationwide, so it is considered to be one of those um, recession-proof properties. Retail is not a recession-proof property necessarily. Neither is office. Um, yes, in some economies, one of it's one of the one of the other those might might just really crush it. But um, so it's a little bit more um, risky in that sense. Um, you always have some risk though, based on, based on location, especially, you know, here we are in Alaska and, um, oil has not recovered. Right. So what if oil just never recovers and our economy, um, shrinks a bit and a lot of people end up moving, well, then we don't have quite the housing demand that we once did. So there's always in every asset type, some kind of risk, um, But I, yeah, does that answer your question? Okay.
0: I I think it does. So
1: um, is there,
0: let me ask you this then. So are there going to be higher rates of return, but a little bit risky on different types of commercial property? Like, yes. Okay. Okay. So if you're going for like, if we have treated this on a scale, like, you know, highest return, highest risk, lowest return, lowest risk. Um, how would you kind of rank those out?
1: Rank it like right now in today's market? Mm-hmm. So um, this kind of alludes to cap rate. Are you familiar with cap rate, Jamin? I am. Yep. Yeah. So cap rate is, um, a, it It basically um, is a market capitalization rate. So basically saying that per every dollar that I invest, um, what is it worth to the market? Um, so, when you have a property that is a high cap rate a lot of times your cash flow well your cash flow is better however the reason that it's that way is because it's a little more risky of a property okay so so currently um i would say multifamily is probably one of those compressed cap rates because um like we said, it's a low volatility. You're not gonna make as much um ROI on it right now um, as you would have maybe five years ago. Uh, but it feels safe to people. Um, let's see, what's another one? So office is probably one of those ones that has a higher cap rate. So um your cash flow might end up being better, but it's kind of a little more risky right now because we're still not exactly sure how office is all going to play out. Um, industrial, that w- is one where, um, it's in super high demand, but kind of what I told you before is really, we can't make new ones fast enough. And the only people who it makes sense for is really an owner user. Cause it's just so expensive to build right now. Um, so let's see, what are some others? Um, Retail, that one also is, would be a more compressed cap rate um, because it's in such high demand. It takes some time to build a good retail building. So maybe, you know, maybe a little higher cap rate than industrial. Um, Yeah. How does that sound?
0: (laughs) Well, sounds good. So, yeah. um, So what are just some ideas for some returns that someone could expect? If I Okay, so let's let's just throw out some um, some numbers here. These aren't going to be precise. Um, I know this is this not going to be easy with your financing background. <laughs> it doesn't have to be precise, but no worries. Let's uh, let's say I have like two hundred fifty thousand dollars, quarter of a million that uh, I acquired somehow, and I am putting it into some kind of a commercial deal. Um, and uh let's just say it's it's here in the Matsu Valley and um you know the property is about a million so we get that uh, 25% down what is um kind of an idea of uh, what i should respect expect for a yearly net return on it mm-hmm.
1: yeah so so depends a lot on the property type always right the answer is always it depends right <laughs> um or oh, where it is um so, I mean, I would say, I would say, do you mean like cash on cash?
0: Yep. Well, let's do cash. Well, yeah. we can do cash on cash, but if you can get some idea for like what a return would be, like I know if yeah. I'm operating a fourplex and uh, we go in there and uh, get a pretty decent loan on it, I can, you know, usually net about 800 to, you know, 1400 a month coming mm-hmm. back on a fourplex mm-hmm. that's well-managed and taken care of.
1: Sure. So I would say, I would say a good property right now, you're going to be between like five and 10% cash on cash. Um, Again, depending on the property type. Um, One thing I did want to mention, excuse me, when you're talking about how much you have to invest today on it. One thing you need to keep in mind about commercial properties is that the closing costs can be kind of high. Actually, so uh, an appraisal is very expensive for commercial property. I know for um, residential, I don't know what is it like eight hundred dollars or something. I don't even know.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, something about like right.
1: that. Yeah, so a commercial property it can be like ten thousand, fifteen thousand. Like they're very. What? Yes, yes. So, so that's one thing that you'd have to keep in mind when you when you figure out how much money you have and what you what kind of property you can afford is closing costs can be quite high.
0: Man, that's wild, know, I mean, uh, yeah, that's, right. It's <laughs> not even including your down payment, so that's fifteen thousand for yeah. that. Um, you're looking at inspections and yeah. everything that goes you also along.
1: Have, yeah, you also have environmental inspections as well. Um, so yeah, there's a like I was saying before, there's a lot of due diligence you got to do, and so it can this, be
0: pricing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So this really probably shouldn't be the the option where you just go all in, literally bet the entire farm on your very first right. commercial property. You should probably no. be in a place where you've <laughs> got enough liquidity where something goes sideways. It's not going to be the end of the world. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And like I said before, you know, you got to, you got to cushion for those holding costs. So you don't know if it's going to lease right away. So you need to have some extra cash on hand for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, no, I, I certainly do understand that, that that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Um, do you have any examples of what might be like a, a big mistake you see first-time commercial investors making?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I, I think lately we've seen overbuilding. Um uh maybe on the well, yeah, what's a good one? So maybe overbuilding and not um not trying to pre-lease before the building is completed. Cause then you have um, you have a building sitting there vacant for a long time. So that's, that would be, if you're developing something um, as far as an existing building goes, I mean, I think the biggest thing is that due diligence chain. And so, so getting a really good inspector in there, um, having a good contractor to walk it with you um, and somebody who does a lot of commercial properties, um, because you really want that building to be done well. Um, yeah. What's another good one. Um, yeah, maybe not just not anticipating those closing costs. That's another big thing.
0: Yeah, man, that's, uh, that's wild.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Cause I mean, in, um, residential, if something is off by, and just on the loan of it's off by as much as like an 8th of a percent like the entire it's a full stop the disclosure has to be sent out again and there's a, uh, you're pretty much out in the open sea when it's commercial.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Man, well that's uh that is definitely good to know then.
1: Let me tell you something about tenants that I see a lot um in commercial is the tenants a lot of times don't read their entire lease, or they don't have it reviewed by somebody who knows. Um, so, like I said, those consumer protections don't exist in commercial. So you can't just assume that if the landlord doesn't do this, that I will be entitled to this. Um, so it's really important that you have at least your broker um, review a lease before you sign it really, you should really be having an attorney um, go through it with you because um, there's no standard lease, right, for a commercial building. They're all written very specific to that building, very specific to that situation. We've done a lot of negotiating to um, get all these different points in line with both the, the tenant and the landlord. So, you know, I, as a broker, cannot write a lease because I mean I I can I can draft it for you if you're going to go have it reviewed by an attorney. Um but I I can't be writing contracts that you're going to then sign without being reviewed by an attorney.
0: Yeah. I mean I it's can a certainly... big deal.
1: It's a big deal. And a lot of people don't, don't take it lightly and it's unfortunate.
0: Yeah. It sounds like a good way to end up in court, honestly. Yeah. So with yeah. Kind of all this being what it is, do you think it'd be a good idea for uh, newbie investors to be looking at jumping into um, maybe putting money into someone else's deal or how's kind of the, the ground level do people usually get into it? Um, is that a good option or is that just...
1: No. So, um, so as far as an owner user goes, that might be the best thing for them. So if they need... um a partner to be able to afford to buy the property that they need for their business. Um, that might be a good way to go. I would say in any partnership situation, you've got to have all those T's crossed and I's dotted. Um, and you make sure you be very, very explicit in your agreements as far as, um, who's doing what, how you can get out any of that stuff. Um, many, many relationships have been ruined, (laughs) um, in partnerships. So, Best to have it all out there at the beginning. Um, As far as an investment property goes, um, you mean to tag along with somebody who has commercial experience? Is that what you're asking?
0: Right, right. So let's say, well, I don't want to be like there doing all this stuff. Maybe I just have a little nest egg. I want to give it to this person, let them go find the deal, do the investment. And I don't necessarily want a decision-making position. Mm -hmm. I just kind of want to know what's going on so I can learn without necessarily being there
1: yeah i would say if you do that you definitely want to make sure that you are part of the due diligence process and you definitely want to make sure you have a broker that um has done this before and understands it in depth as well because you know there's so many there can be so many risks involved so you just want to make sure that you understand exactly um, the situation you're putting yourself into does that make sense
0: yeah it, it does it does i mean yeah, I I think a lot of um a lot of people have a false sense of security when they feel like, "Oh, I really know this person." Yes. Um even just by reputation. It's like, well, yeah, kind of like you mentioned before, lots of relationships have been ruined by Yes. Trying to jump into that. Um you don't marry everybody you meet, and you don't <laughs> get into a partnership with everybody either. So Exactly. Exactly. So true. All right. Well, Jenny, I really do appreciate your time and yeah, uh, where's, right. um, where's going to be a good place for people to reach out to you if they do have more questions about jumping into the commercial space.
1: Yeah. So my website is jennywillardson.com. Willardson.com. Um, also my Facebook page is elevate Alaska realty. Um, that's my business um, in Keller Williams. Um, other than that, oh, I'm sorry about that. Um, other than that, it, um Facebook or email is a good way to go.
0: Outstanding. Well, again, thank you. And for those of you listening...